You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast. Jake Shavink here. Mason Thompson with me as always. Mason, we are, as of recording this, five days away from the draft. And we knew that we had to do this at some point. So we put a little mock draft for you guys together. Two rounds. It's going to be a good time. Mason, how are you doing on this fine Saturday afternoon? I am doing fantastic. Uh, It's kind of weird because... Honestly, like usually the week before the draft goes super slow. For me, it's actually kind of gone pretty quick. And now we're sitting here five days away. And it's actually really sunny out in Wisconsin for once. It's kind of insane. It's almost 80 degrees. So we're I'm happy. Yeah, it's 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 really nice out. And this is gonna be a fun, fun show because we 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 traverse through two rounds and we have some trades. We had to include a few. Although this this could be one of those weird years. I, I mean, it is, but this could be one of those weird years where it's like nobody just moves around because nobody really wants to. Nobody wants to move up for premium talent because it's all going to go in like the top five and everybody just kind of sticks around, basically. I, what, what do you what's like the thing you're looking most at in terms of maybe the top 10 or, or the first round in general as we are sitting here five days away? I think like the two most interesting, I mean, there's always a few interesting spots, but like the first two that get me like really excited are obviously Houston at three. Uh, we don't really know what Casario and Lovey Smith are doing right now. So we have an interesting one up here. And then at six, what does Carolina do? Do they take the quarterback there? Do they take a tackle uh, or do they trade down and take the quarterback? But the real question is who moves up? Obviously, you've got Atlanta and Seattle at 8-9 when you don't really know what they're wanting to do. Are they still wanting to compete? Do they want to get a quarterback? Do they just want to build up the roster? It's really interesting. And as of the Saturday before the draft, we don't even know who the first pick is, let alone like the top 10. Yeah, it, it's crazy that the Jaguars now, as has been reported recently, are considering four guys at the top pick. Obviously, assume two of those are, are Walker and Hutchinson. The other two we were kind of talking in pre-show before we started who it could be. We kind of think it's not Thibodeau and it's and it's Neil and, and Aquanu, both guys who could, you know, sit in at guard. And if Cam Robinson doesn't work out now being tagged again, they just kick over to tackle and the pick doesn't it, it doesn't really matter that they took a guard the first year or whatever because it's so that's yeah that's what's interesting there i agree six no clue what carolina's doing it feels like it should it feels like everything we've heard it's quarterback but who knows i mean man i i think jeremy chin and kyle hamilton would be fun no <laughs> i think it would be insane but, honestly but we'll see so yeah we've we've already put this mock together so there won't be any like live reaction or any kind of really with, with, with the picks in general, but yes, since we're on the Packer Net podcast network, everybody's going to be looking for those Packers picks. I like them. I don't know about you, Mason. I like them. I think they're good. Uh, uh, we'll see what the, we'll see what everybody else thinks, but uh, it's, we both made two. We did. We did. Cause so. Mason took uh, the odds. I took the evens. So I had both the Packers first round selections 
Mason had both Packers second round selections, no moves, stayed, stayed padded at all four picks. So we'll get there. But since Mason, you have the odds. Let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars at one and, and kick this thing off. So I guess I kind of went into the mock with kind of a mix of what I would do and kind of a predictive mock at the same time. I know a lot of the mocks right now coming to the end of the site are going to be more predictive. Uh, for number one, I took that route. Uh, we know there's quote-unquote four being decided between. Uh, we were talking before. Uh, we think it's pretty much down to two. We would, I would be surprised if it's any of the two tackles at this point, uh, despite there was a lot of rumors about, what was that, about a month, month and a half ago that it was going to be either Neil or Ekwadu. Um, but right now the steam behind Trayvon Walker is kind of getting out of control a little bit. There's been a lot of reports that uh, – it's pretty much Walker at this point just because Trent Belke does not want to take a Jim Harbaugh player. <laughs> Which, Bad blood. Yeah. In my opinion, I, I mean, if it was me, I would probably take a tackle. Just me personally, if it was between Walker and Hutch, I would take Hutch, but I am not Trent Belke. So, so yeah, Trayvon Walker at one for the Jags. Uh, Lions up next at two. I mean – easy run the card in it's Aiden Hutchinson it's a it's such a Dan Campbell selection that you know that's what I think the networks are hoping for just so they can talk about that for a full five minutes uh while the Texans deliberate between like eight players uh productive uh leadership you know there's there's concerns with length there's no doubt about it and that that arm length is is a problem but he's productive he he has an array of moves I, I don't think he's going to be that guy who hits, you know, 15 sacks, maybe, maybe a couple times in his career, but I do think you're looking at eight to 12 pretty comfortably every season. So I think the Lions will take that at two. Which brings number three up. And as I said earlier, this is probably the most interesting pick in the top 10, at least this early until you get to Atlanta, Seattle later. But um, looking at the roster, Honestly, they don't really necessarily need to take a tackle that high, in my opinion, because obviously they have Tunsil. Titus Howard has slightly improved. Obviously, that pick was not good at the time. But when you look at the defensive side of the ball, it is not good. And with Lovey Smith taking over, it's am I correct in saying it's more of a zone scheme, you would say? Yeah, I think I think they probably will do a lot of zone. Uh probably a lot of cover too so hefty amount for me at this point yes Kayvon Thibodeau is still on the board but you you have another you have one good edge rusher already in Jonathan Gerdard but if you look in the cornerback room your number one right now is Steven Nelson who he did have a good year this year in Philadelphia but when you have a player at the caliber of Sauce Gardner on the board here who will not be there at pick 13, I think you have to go there and solidify that number one cornerback position. So that is the route I took. Yeah, I like that. Long, strong, physical. Again, in the zone scheme, I think you're going to like him working top down or staying down to even shade up either way. I I feel more comfortable there uh, in that landing spot. Jets at four now. Yeah, it's... This is like, I think, the first spot where it p- seems like a lot of people are thinking it's it's Kayvon Thibodeau. That's where I went. 
I Aquanu maybe. I don't know. Do it, but Kai Becton, you know, obviously away from the team, but it sounds like wife is getting close to yeah. getting in labor. So that that's probably part of it. He's still training. It's not like he's like sitting out like a certain other guy in, in New York uh, that we don't need to talk about this moment, but <laughs> it seems like they're okay. A tackle and who knows, maybe we'll get to one on, on, on the second round. I believe we will actually, but I'm going to go cave on Thibodeau here. I think it just, again, Robert Sala, they, they, they need to have somebody like Carl Lawson. Yeah. He's coming back, but it's off an injury that again, he he's had a lot of injuries in his career, college and pro. So Thibodeau, I think this is like the, a perfect mesh. I think Sala will be the guy that that gels with him enough to where he can unlock the full potential. Uh, as we get to number five, we did mention New York already. With, do you want to talk about it at all? Or are we just going to kind of glance uh, over it? You can talk about it if, briefly if you want to. So we're recording this on Saturday. Was it? It was yesterday when the Kadarius Tony trade details came out. So they're attempting to shop Kadarius Tony after taking him with the 20th selection last. <sighs> to me, it's a whole different regime. I think he doesn't want to be there. It seemed like he didn't even want to be there in the first place last year when he got drafted. Could be. Yeah. He kind of missed a lot of the time during training camp. There was a lot of cleat issues, which was interesting. Yeah, it was odd. Uh, uh, injury concerns throughout the year. Uh, I honestly, as a Packer fan, I wouldn't really give up much for him at all, if anything at all, at this point. Yeah. But uh, getting to the pick side of things here, number five, yeah. uh, with Carolina right behind them and South Gardner already off the board, uh, I think tackle has to be the route. Uh, with Equanu and Neil both there, I think they'll more likely go the route of Neil just because that gives them the flexibility of Neil and Thomas, who have both played a left and right tackle. So if one is hurt, gets hurt, you could just flop the other one to the left side if, and so forth. So I think that's probably the route they'll take, and I think Evan Neal will end up with Giants on draft day. Yeah, this is, it's a great scenario for the Giants. If I, I know they, they'd like Gardner, there's no doubt. I think they might even like Thibodeau at seven, but I, I love it. I, I think Neil is is a great selection for them to kick this off with with Shane and and Babel. Carolina at six. I hate picking for Carolina. I'll be real honest. I <laughs> don't know. We went through this once, and I took a Quanu. Once we got to about pick twenty six, we're like, this is weird, and I don't. And we're like, what is happening? We'll get to it. This something still happened anyway. But I just think it, it, for me, I'm just going to take Kenny Pickett. I think you could field offers here, move back and still get picket. That might be what happens on draft night. Couldn't find anything here. The Vikings are a popular team to maybe come up and get Gardner, but he's off the board. So when picket at six, it extends the window a little bit for rule. And we'll see. I will see. I, this is predictive. I would never do this, but I, I think picket is definitely with the connection. Plus again, as active as, Carolina brass management has been throughout the process, especially at the pro day as well. It seems like they're leaning this direction. I mean, it is what it is with Carolina at this point. I think they have to leave with some sort of quarterback, whether that be taking Kenny Pickett, or do you just want to take Baker Mayfield and a trade at the end of, Yeah, like, I don't even know at this point, but back to the giants again at seven. Uh, with Sauce Gardner off the board, it was kind of a difficult selection, in my opinion, a little bit. 
but I was between two players here and uh, it was the one I chose. And then it was the other one was Jermaine Johnson yeah. uh, just because of the need at edge with Lorenzo Carter gone. Uh, I think it would be fantastic duo with Jermaine Johnson and uh, Aziz Ojolari. But I went with the route of defensive back again. Uh, they wanted Sauce Gardner, in my opinion, at five, but he isn't there, obviously, with the Texas taking by three. So I took Derek Stingley. And the reason for that was James Bradbury is mostly out the at this point. So yeah. I think you need at least somebody to play uh, at corner. Uh, I know you have Odori Jackson and Darnay Holmes still. You took Aaron Robinson pretty early last year. He's more of a slot guy anyways. So you need to have some sort of contingency plan for James Bradbury. And with Sauce off the board, I think you have to take Stingley. Yeah, I again, Stingley – could very well be the top corner of this class very easily. Uh, the this, I mean, what he showed in his freshman season is unbelievable. I don't even think the twenty one tape was actually that horrible. Uh, honestly, that I thought he tackled a lot better and actually was, you know, into the idea of coming up and tackling a lot more than he was as a freshman. So that's that's good news. So yeah, I, I Neil and Sting would be a great haul uh, for Shane in, in this first draft. Atlanta Nate's another one like Carolina. I have no clue. I mean, Aquana would be interesting here and wouldn't shock me at all. Like, this offensive line on the interior is bad. It's just no sugar coating. It's bad. Like, Aquana could play guard, but are you going to draft a guard at, at eight? I don't know. I, I'm going to do the thing the Falcons fans hate. I'm taking the receiver. I want Jamison Williams. From all accounts, Jamison Williams can go higher than we think. Could be the first receiver off the board, and he is here. Jamison Williams and Kyle Pitts sounds awesome. And nice. – it is and the production he had this this past season is something that's not matched by many uh in the history of sec wide receivers even if you bump it down a little bit it's like cooper aj brown judy smith and chase i think there might be one more oh wandell robinson from this year actually had similar production but 1300 yards is not as much as williams but that production profile in the sec is nuts and you get a guy who immediately can win down the field. I think the separation quickness is good. I think there's still there's still stuff to work on as a route runner, but overall, good hands, catch radius bigger than for a guy that's 178, and offense gets more electric. So at number nine, we have Seattle, and it is well known that Seattle goes off the trend of the draft order. Uh, while this is a little bit predictive, we I kind of went the best player available route and took Ekwanu here because who is starting at either of those tackle spots right now? Uh, no, nobody. Yeah. Um, so Ekwanu could immediately come in and play left tackle, or if you want to plug him in at guard, I guess, sure. But he should be at tackle. Yeah, he should. But uh, I thought that that was the best route. Um, do you want to get into what you think is going to happen sure. here on draft night? Yeah, I think it's Trevor Penning. <laughs> I think they're going to take Trevor Penning at nine. I, I'm serious. I, I really think it's going to happen. They when have they ever? When have we ever in the first round? Can you remember Seattle being like, "Oh yeah, that's good, nice, well done"? No, <laughs> they don't do that. I, I they they don't. They they should take a Quanu being available is nuts. Even a Cross is available. I'd take Cross there. Truly. I know some people, Mason, not as high on cross. Totally understandable. I still think it's it's better than like than, than Penning is, but I do think they're going to go Penning. 
I can't. That's just going to be wild. It's going to be funny. Like, everybody is going to be – it's going to be like the Jaguars when they hired Urban Meyer. They're going to be like, he's there. Do not take him. Do not take him. And they're going to be like, but come on. Seattle fans are going to be – it's going to be like eight and a half minutes of Seattle fans sitting there like, please don't. Don't do the thing. Don't do that. Like, so I I hope not. I hope not, but I think it's going to happen. So Steelers at 10 now. They're on the clock. How? What? Oh, trade up. Yeah, with the Jets. We talked about this. The Jets may look to move back. And in this scenario, they do. Gave up 20, a fourth rounder, and a first next year. Pretty similar trade to what the Bears and Giants did last year. Think it's good enough there. Jets are Jets are spreading out capital, kind of like the Eagles did. I like that idea. And they still have 35 and 38 in this whole thing. So plenty of ammo to do other things, uh, especially on day two. Steelers are coming up to get Malik Willis. Uh, they've been linked to him. They like him. It's not a secret or anything like that. Like Mike Tomlin has talked glowingly about Malik Willis. They were clearly enamored with what he did at the senior bowl. They want mobility in the Matt Canada offense and could possibly just sit behind Trubisky. Wicked arm strength, great athleticism. I think the processing is okay at times when you can get to that first read, but it's like it's it's over the middle. It's layering throws. It's it's those layered concepts. He's got to be able to hit some digs. He's got to see that. But again, difficult eval. How good was the offensive line? How much did he trust the offensive line? Like all of that has to go into this with Willis. The people who have QB one totally understand. I, I agree with the idea of swinging. If you're going to swing at quarterback, don't take the, the floor guy in this draft. Just swing for the fences because they all could be bad. So at least you can say you swung. And I think then the Pittsburgh Steelers do that here. And then with Malik Willis getting the pick at 10, Washington is on the clock. And um, I don't think they I were think, on the clock for a while, were they? No, they were not. I think this has got to happen. If it, if Carl Hamilton is still on the board at number 11, and to me, I get it. He's not a perfect prospect. But this is kind of similar to like Micah Parsons last year where you're kind of nitpicking a little bit about some things and it's just like too much. And just like it's like the Jets from those few years when they had Leonard Williams and Jamal Adams just fall into their laps. And Washington has had that before with um, who's the Jonathan Allen. Yep. And so it's the same situation here when you get potentially a top three player in the class just falling to your lap at number 11. Sure, he does not play a perennial position as a safety, but you can immediately slot him in. The secondary gets better, and so it's. I think it's going to happen if he does fall here. If they don't take him, I think he goes probably next, maybe. Potentially, he could go next. Could go ne- I think he but, would. I think he would. But the slip is. It's sounding like it's going to, which, is kind of confusing to me. But I mean, I get it a little bit. But yeah, yeah, I, I do think we, we threw around generational early in the process, even during the season. I, I'm guilty of it. I, I'm going to back off that. I don't think he is. I actually don't know if, if you were melded 21 and 22 classes, I think he'd be maybe around like seven or eight. If you melded them, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I still think he's my top guy in this class, but I do think it's closer between him and the next maybe three or so guys. So I get why he would fall. I think it's a great situation for, for, for Washington and building up that defense. It's good. It's good. Uh, if Jamin Davis can take the step in year two, who oh boy, um, they're going to be loaded. Yeah. Vikings at 12. 
I struggle with this. Like Vikings fans hate the idea of taking Jordan Davis. Uh, it seems like Trent McDuffie doesn't seem like a pick they would make personally, because I, I think they're going to go bigger, longer, more, just yeah. the, the, that type of player. So McDuffie may be off the board for them. So I went with the idea of Kevin O'Connell saying, yeah, we're going to get these. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of 11 personnel and we're going to cook. And it's going to be Chris Olave here at 12 goes higher than Wilson goes higher than London here. Maybe a little crazy. What are you going to do? I, I think he compliments Jefferson. Well, again, both very good separators. Plus you have Adam Thielen. So you have three great separators. Yeah. Kirk Cousins isn't, maybe this is bad for Kirk Cousins because he doesn't know which wide open throw to make. So he's <laughs> going to be like, he's going to be panicking because everybody's open. He's going to throw uh, it in between all of them. Yeah. And, and Olave wins deep, easy speed. And you get to move guys around all over the place. Anybody can play anywhere. Basically now, when you have these three guys out there, you can throw any of them in the slot and they'll win. Thielen is getting older, but to have a Jefferson Olave duo for the future, for either Cousins or whoever it is after him, I like that a lot for them. Uh, Houston's back up on the clock at 13. And again, I don't think this one took that long either. Uh, With Jordan Davis still on the board, uh, not really still on the board, but I think that's, they have to address their own defense. I think if the Chargers didn't exist, like with how bad their run defense was last year, we would be saying the same things about Houston last year, which makes sense because their roster was not good. But getting Jordan Davis and just plugging that hole immediately in the run game, just that big, massive run stuffer that can get after the passer too, I think Lovey Smith would fall in love with that. And you walk out with Sauce and Davis, just two freaks on the defensive side of the ball. I think that'll be an amazing haul for Houston. They still have more coming up in the second round. I feel like the nerds who are like positional value yeah. are probably going to regret having Jordan Davis so low. Like I understand their process. It makes total sense to me. I, I get it. I understand. You should be, yeah, 100% swinging at edge and corner early. I get that. Jordan Davis could easily be a top like five, six player in this class when all is said and done, even though he, I know. They were saying this exact same thing about Oh, can he play the later downs with Vita yeah. Vea? How good is Vita Vea now? <laughs> Very. So, like, I, I'm not too worried. I, it's a great, like you said, it's a great start for Houston. I'm going to call an audible at 14. Mason, I'm switching 14 and 18. Okay, I'm going to switch those two selections. Yeah. Uh, I think it makes more sense, personally. Yeah, it does. Uh, so, I'm going to go uh, Jermaine Johnson here for the Ravens at 14. Uh, I think... You get a contrasting style at edge now. You have Odafe Oe on one side who is blazing speed, elite athleticism, turn the corner, dip, and get to the quarterback. And then you have the guy who's the true edge shedder, wins with some power, has some more moves to his game on the other side. In, in what should be a really fun front in Baltimore now with Johnson Oe, you bring Pierce back. You have Metabuike who's starting to come on, which is exciting to see. And you you still have a good linebacking core, and I, I feel good-ish about the secondary. And, yeah, I mean, I think Baltimore is, is always finding value, and, and they get a little bit here in, in Johnson. At 15, the first of the two Eagles selections here in the first round. Uh, <sighs> corner is a need, obviously. Edge is a need. Uh, but, obviously, receiver is still a need. So for the third year in a row, 
the Eagles will most likely, in my opinion, take another receiver in the first. And uh, Garrett Wilson's still here. So that was the pick I chose here. Uh, pairing him up with Devontae Smith is kind of just a lethal duel for uh, Jalen Hurts or whoever may be playing quarterback next year. Yeah, it, it gives them a great room. I think London could be in play, but how could you not want Wilson? Just because of the buckets, yeah. just the different yes. like types. I think London could be in play, but I think we'll get to that exact conversation a little bit later here. Yeah, Wilson and Devonta Smith's way too fun. Just get CJ Stroud next year, please, and just have him throw those two guys. That. Holy moly, that would be nice to have uh, if you're if you're if you're an Eagles fan. So Saints at sixteen, they they get a nice value here as well. Uh, the Charles cross slide seems to be happening. I think it will. Will it, will it come all the way to 16? Maybe not. Maybe the saints will move up a couple picks to get it done. And it's just a fill right there. A left tackle lose to run. said, got to put cross in there. Good footwork, good recovery, athleticism, solid anchor. We'll see. Uh, the explosive pass rushers gave him a little bit of trouble, namely Sam Williams from Mississippi in that egg bowl game. Still think there's plenty to work with, though. And you're in the middle first round. This starts to feel like usually it's the 20s where you start going, just pick your guy in that round two, yeah. round three range. I think it starts a little earlier this time around. So Saints fills a need, and it's a good player. So we kind of ran into a little bit of like trouble at 17 a little bit, just with some guys falling that shouldn't have. Um, for the Chargers, we're both a big fan of Jamison Williams there. Obviously, he's not there. Yeah. On the board right now, Derek Stingley is another one that they could potentially move up for. He's off the board pretty early. Um, there is Traylon Burks still on the board, but I don't think they're going to go receiver if Jamison Williams is not there, which leaves offensive line, specifically the right side, as a big need. Um, I went the route of Zion Johnson, who both of us uh, agree that is he is a top five prospect in the class. Uh, he can immediately fill in at right guard, or if you really want to try him at right tackle first, I wouldn't hate it. But um, the value there, yes, he is an interior offensive lineman, but I feel like he's plenty worth the selection here at 17. Yeah, this this obviously comes in that value discussion and, and positional value in general, but I, I, I don't care. I think – I feel way better if the top three tackles were off the board if I'm the Chargers to go interior rather than tackle yeah. and reach. And then you can kind of capitalize in that in those middle rounds with with maybe projects at tackle, but guys I would feel may, way more comfortable taking than a guy like Penning or Ryman or even Tyler Smith at, at 17. So I, I like the selection a lot. And it's starting to become more common, I think, as we yes. get closer. So that's interesting too. So Eagles here at 18 – Went Garrett Wilson first. Mason did with that 15th. I, I'm taking Trent McDuffie here. Corner from Washington. Yeah, short arms. I don't really care. Uh, and, and the Eagles are the team that feel like they would go D-line and, and, and wide receiver, right? Jordan Davis doesn't get here. So we're going back up plan. They're going to take a corner. They're finally going to address some secondary issues. McDuffie inside out versatility. Good tackler. Great motor. Good in coverage. And by all accounts, one of the highest character players in the draft. Uh, speaking of character, for the Saints, you have to get some sort of contingency plan, in my opinion, at quarterback. 
Uh, obviously, Malik Willis is gone. Could you potentially trade up into the top five, even top seven? Potentially, yes, that's a possibility with their, them having uh, 16 and 19 now. But receiver, potentially, but I went Desmond Ritter, quarterback from Cincinnati, who I'm. it's starting to sound like he is a lock for the first round at this point, whether that be a team later in the first, maybe Detroit, maybe Seattle comes back up. Um, but with Ritter here, I feel like he really fits what New Orleans wants at this point. Yes, Dennis Allen is the new head coach, but if slash when Champagne comes back, I feel like Ritter would be a perfect fit for the Champagne offense just because he knows how to get the best of his players. Yes, the accuracy concerns are still there, but he seems like a player that he completely transformed the Cincinnati program. So I feel like that could be a good fit for New Orleans, who is kind of undergoing some trap uh, cap issues and just getting the most out of their player, letting Desmond Ritter be able to do that. Yeah, I think and the interesting thing about this is, like, you're the Saints. You're trying to get two picks here. You think you're contending, right? So that probably means that you're not going to have a high pick in the coming seasons, right, to get perhaps a top quarterback. So why not swing here with Ritter? I don't know about you, Mason. I still think one of the best, if not the best, post-snap processor in this class. Oh, yeah. I think Strong is the other one I would put up there and maybe even ahead of him slightly, but I do think after Strong, it's him in terms of where he's going post-snap with the ball. Yeah, I honestly, like last year, I was a big fan of Ritter as well before he came back, Yeah, but I don't understand. I get the kind of like accuracy concerns hate, but I don't understand like the complete he's not a good player when He's shown he is. Yeah. I, so, I'm with you. I, as I said earlier, I feel like his first round lock, and I think yeah. New Orleans is a good fit for him. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, I'm, I'm not going to rank him super highly right on a big board. Yeah. But, but if you're going to swing in this class, I mean, you're going to swing with Willis or Ritter, and Ritter feels like the guy who, like I said, I like post-snap a lot better at this point. I also feel like he has a good floor as well, honestly. Yeah, good floor, and I think the ceiling is is, is pretty solid as well. Yeah. I think there's plenty to work with to, to improve his game. I think mechanically he can – if he yeah. cleans up like one or two little things mechanically, I think you'll see the layups in terms of those, those quick throws accuracy. I think it'll get a lot better. Yes. And listen, when he can make some big-time throws late in games, I we've seen it. We've seen the moxie. I'm good with it. All right, Jets at 20. Get a guy I think they would probably want at 10 at 20 here. Works out for them. Drake London, wide receiver USC. I mean, again, you have your kind of X route running type, Corey Davis. You have maybe not an X, maybe Drake London becomes your X. But anyway, you have Elijah Moore who can do everything, basically, with the speed, gadget touches. They have their own, like, small Debo, whatever you want to. Everybody's just going to be called Debo now. Uh, Maybe they get actual Debo. Who knows? (laughs) <laughs> Could be uh, before before this uh, before draft season uh, ends, but London gives you a different bucket guy. Zach Wilson can throw the ball up to him, win at the catch point. Yeah, he separates there, but guess what? He separates underneath too. I have with my own two eyes, I have seen Drake London get in a corner's blind spot and win. So I the separation thing is overblown to me. I get some of the profile concerns about where he's won in terms of screens and where he's won at the catch point. I get it, but. When you see where he's gotten open as well, not and again, he didn't get some of these, he didn't get targeted, but I've, I've seen the guy separate underneath. 
Yes, the explosiveness is a concern. Guess what? You're the Jets. You have explosiveness. His name's Elijah Moore. So I think you're okay here taking a guy like London. For New England at 21, I think it's between two positions. And I think we both agree on that. It's on the defensive side of the ball. You can either take a linebacker or you go defense uh, back at corner. Uh, I feel like a perfect fit in this scenario is Kyrie Elam from Florida. Uh, I feel like he could come in right away. Not Obviously not fill the role that J.C. Jackson did. But Bill Belichick has consistently taken stabs at defensive back. They did it with Joe Juan Williams in the second round a few years ago. I feel like Belichick can get the most out of his front seven, but he needs kind of those top threat playmakers in the back end of his defense. So that's why I took Kyrie Gillum instead of a linebacker at this spot. Yeah, good press man fit has the size. I agree. I don't think Belichick has to take these developmental corners. No. Just take a good one and, and get out of there and regroup day two, find some guys you want to work on potential with there. Hackers at 22. And I, maybe maybe people on the podcast, they skipped ahead here. And they, they're waiting for this selection. And they, they know there's a certain receiver on the board. One of the top five, consensus top five is on the board. Guess what? We're not picking them. Um, this, this, was, this was like little, almost zero hesitation. George Karloftis, Edge Purdue. Athleticism checks out. 21 years old. Obviously, 21 years old, he's an early declare. I This feels like 2019 all over again. You have Rashawn Gary, you have Preston Smith. Let's get George Karloftis, be edge three immediately, strong, technically sound player. I know that some people, he doesn't defend the run that well. I think he's okay. I'm, when he can hold edge with the power he has, I'm not concerned. You can teach him how to hold gaps, understand where he has to work into gap. I, that, that I'm not worried about as much. But he's shown the flexibility. He can win in a variety of ways on the edge in a league that's starting to get more quick passing game oriented, get a dude who can, and again, they offenses want to maximize that yak. I know they want to do the explosive plays too, but like, if you're going to just sit in too high, why not get power rushers who can get off quick and just kind of punch offensive linemen back to at least give the quarterback a little bit of sweat back there. These longer guys who work around the arc and have to get to the quarterback at at a longer clip. I think I'd rather roll with a guy like Karloftis for, for Joe Barry's scheme. Honestly, if Karloftis doesn't go at 22, he's going 23. I know. But in this scenario, he isn't there. So Arizona. This is a tough pick to make. It would Karloftis not here. They could go receiver. Oh, 100%. They could go offensive line, but they don't go offense at all in this scenario. They don't go edge, which, I mean, we could take another linebacker. <laughs> there are a lot of them still available. All of them actually are still available. But the Kyler Gordon stock has once again ramped up back into the first round. Yeah. It was there before the scouting combine. It completely plummeted after he didn't perform like many expected him to, and now it's back up again. You need to have some sort of CB2. You can't put all this pressure on the Byron Murphy and Buda Baker. Yeah, Marco Wilson was fine, but he's not really a consistent starter player. Maybe you could have him as your CB3, which is still a starter per se, but you need a better option at the second corner spot. And Gordon was an early declaree, so he can just continue to shoot up in his development. So, And Gordon's going to the draft as well. So that's another yeah. little indication, I think, that people are like, yeah, he's probably going in the first. So 
they're just building Washington secondary in Arizona. If they take him, I love it though. I love it. Baker Murphy, Gordon, love it. Um, Cowboys at 24. I listen, there is so much to this pick that makes sense. Jerry Jones, Arkansas. They know that connection's already there. And they just traded Amari Cooper. I know it makes, it's just, it is odd to bring back Michael Gallup to do this. And yet <laughs> we're doing it. Traylon Burks, 24 to the Cowboys back in the three receiver sets uh, with, with a lot of firepower. And you can just, you can put Burks in the slot. There, there's so much in the mental side, technical side of route running that Burks does not have right now at all. If you're Dallas, especially, you don't care because you just put, like I said, you just play him in a slot and let him, again, win after the catch. You can throw him outside and, and run nines past defenders. He can beat press. That's that's not a concern. He has He's physical enough and has the speed to eviscerate press coverage. That's what I'm not worried about. So you get him in a situation where he can, again, learn from Gallup, and learn from Lamb a little bit. I feel like Lamb is isn't the greatest route runner, but he he does enough to where I think you can learn from both of those guys. And offense is back cooking with gas. Buffalo is another team that's really interesting, in my opinion, to draft for right now. You could go a lot of ways. Maybe you could take another receiver, although I don't really think it's going to happen. Uh, I don't really feel like they'll take any of the ones left on the board right here. Uh, corner is obviously another big possibility. We've been clamoring for them to take another corner, but they haven't. And we're going to follow that route. Uh, interior offensive line is, gonna, is kind of that sneaky need. And I, we kind of both agree that they're going to take one at some point on the first two days. And with Kenyon Green still here, uh, he can play immediately at guard. Or if Spencer Brown struggles, which he really didn't towards the end of the year at right tackle, if Brown does struggle, he can move to right tackle and they can kind of form some sort of weird combination with that. But I think Kim Green comes in, immediately battles for a starting spot on that Buffalo offensive line. Yeah, I like it. I protect Josh Allen. Uh, and yeah, he can move pretty much anywhere. If someone gets hurt, slide him where he needs to go, basically. And, and, and you feel pretty good about it. So the Titans are on the clock here and you're probably thinking – Wow, that, that dude, Trevor Penning, they mentioned him at nine to Seattle. Obviously, they didn't take him there. Why is he still on the board? <laughs> it was tough to figure out the spot, guys. I, I'm sorry. We struggle with this. We, we're like, eh, it could be a Saints pick, but Cross is here. Could could go to Green Bay. Could go to the Jets, I guess. But then could you, go, to the know, Chargers, you, I could guess. go to the Chargers. Mason didn't want to give him to the Chargers. I'm going to wipe my hands of that. That wasn't my selection. <laughs> <laughs> Packers, I guess, at 22 is a possibility. No, thank you. I didn't like that idea either. So <laughs> here he is at 26, Titans fans, and you get a guy who's – this is perfect. Mike Vrabel, love this guy. Finish dudes, get downhill, pave the way for Derrick Henry. There's not much else to be said. <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay at 27. You, again, similar to Buffalo, you could go in so many different routes, but with – a need at corner coming next off season. Practically their whole entire cornerback room, except for who, which one was it? Carlton Davis. Yeah. He's Everyone except for Carlton Davis is a free agent. So you need somebody for your insurance plan. And with Andrew Booth still here because of some injury concerns, medicals, I think it's too good to pass up at this point. Some people have him as their cornerback one in this class. So, so I feel like this is the perfect selection for Tampa Bay here. 
I hate how much I like it that Tampa Bay got him. I think we're going to hate it either way, no matter who they pick. It's probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, I'm going to Zion. I'm going to be ticked, man. I'm going to be upset. <laughs> Lose my mind. I'm going to be really upset. And so are Packers fans. Just yeah. Like yeah. Uh, Packers back <laughs> on the clock. Speaking of. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, we're taking a receiver at 20. No, we're not. We're not taking a receiver. 20. <laughs> Go on. Go on. Uh, Taxton Hill, 28. Mark it down. I really think maybe Carl Loftus isn't one of their picks. I think safety is in the first round. I think it's Hill. I think it's, I think it's Hill, Hill too. Yes, I agree. I, I mean, is like I said, shades of 2019 draft here for you guys. Uh, taking an edge three first, and now safety. And Savage and Amos futures are uncertain. Not sure what what they're going to do in terms of extending and whatnot. Daxon Hill slot deep. Box, blitz, whatever. Do whatever you want with this guy. Yeah, I'm finding the ball to catch point, I think, is the one biggest weakness to his game. Couple instances of the Wisconsin game where I'm like, ah, I could got a turn fine ball, but came back later in that game, made a really nice play with the late, late strip of the ball at the catch point. Fluid hips. He just does it all. And ah, uh, the secondary is ridiculous in Green Bay with that selection. And after Daxon Hill going at 28, the Chiefs kind of an inter- have an interesting situation. Uh, they could go edge. They could go, obviously, defensive back. And, of course, they could go receiver. They added Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So maybe they go like a George Pickens, Christian Watson, you know. No, we're going to take Sky Moore and just give that. <laughs> you should talk about this one, honestly. <laughs> Love the player. Your guy. Love the player. Incredible hands. Great release package. Acceleration. Knows knows how to move defenders and create space for himself. And he goes and he skies up to get the football at the catch point. I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Sky Moore, MVS, Harbin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Kelsey. I like it. I, yeah. I it's 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 impossible to place Hill. I don't think that's bad at all with what they're no. doing. No, maybe Miko Harbin takes a step. Who knows? Maybe it's the year he does it. He sees all the Twitter posts of the Kansas City offense, and he's not on there. And he's putting that in <laughs> his like, notes. I'll be, oh, I'll be on there. Trust me. Yeah, love it. So we did a thing here at thirty. Uh, Chiefs trade out. I think they're going to do this. Kind Seattle comes up. Those two. Yeah, Seattle comes up. Going QB. They took a Kwanu. Love that pick. They're going to take Corral here at 30. Matt Corral, another one. Going to the draft. That doesn't mean he's going to be picked in the first. But it doesn't not mean he's going to be picked in the first. Uh, so Seattle comes up here, 10 spots, gets Corral. Again, mobility's good. Arm's good. I think he does well. He, he's calm amongst the chaos in, in the pocket as well. Again, how much do you trust working outside of an RPO scheme? I think he he obviously did it the year before in 2020, but there were awful decisions on tape, but there were obviously great throws. Accuracy is their ball placement, arm talent solid. So I think you bring him along, you have him compete with Drew Locke, and I, th- I think he'll probably overtake him. 31, there's a player just sitting there that has always great been like in the Cincinnati. Of course, they added so much on the offensive line already, but when Tyler Linderbaum is still there, if he's still there when Cincinnati comes up on the clock, 
there's really not really a corner option you would say for them. I think it's got to be Linderbaum here or a trade out, but we went Linderbaum because we didn't really see a spot for a trade down. So we just kind of took the best player available at a position of need still. Yeah, that's it's a good pick. Bengal, it's a consensus pick right now. Yeah. Um, is, is the Bengals taking Linderbaum there? Lions finishing up this first round. If you haven't hammered over one and a half safeties in the first round, you better do that. <laughs> do that it might be two and a half now and, and you might have missed out i got lewis seen here uh to round out the first round for the lions again they corral may be in play there i don't know i like the idea of getting three studs and in this in this mock they're all on defense and we'll get to that third one in, in a minute here but lewis seen instincts are good tackling's good i think there's enough versatility there i think you can play on the roof if you, you've seen the athleticism that that he showed at the combine so if you get him on the roof, but again, you can also have him just again working top down if they're going to stick in a lot too high. And oh, they brought back Tracy Walker. I think Lewis Seen would be a great addition to the secondary. And it, that guy again, like Hutchinson, easily in two years could be a leader on that defense. So now we're done with round one. We're going to take a short break here since we're almost forty-five minutes in, and we're going to try and probably get through the second round a little bit quicker. But we're going to take a break here. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, back here on the It's Always Draft Season podcast, powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. Second round here, we're going to start flying through some of these picks. Mason, you're kicking things off with the Jaguars. We're probably just going to say, we're probably just going to have the person who pick talk, and we'll just keep rolling for you guys. Uh, at 33, there are still some good receivers on the board. Uh, Jacksonville needs one. They were in a few of the receivers during the free agency period. It seems like George Pickens is kind of the consensus pick here if he does not go in the first round. Is that he's going to get taken at 33? So that was the route I took. Oh, I want to comment so bad because Packers fans are probably like, really? Pickens at 33? That's you. That it's is my you. fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. Uh, Lions at 34 here. Linebacker hasn't come off yet, crazy enough, uh, in this mock that we've done. I don't think it's absolutely unheard of if the if the Patriots don't do it at 21. So 
Leo Chanel, though, it's probably not the guy you thought it was going to be uh, <laughs> at linebacker for the Lions here, but another guy who I think would be just three absolute culture-changing players on defense, in my opinion. You get Leo Chanel, who, yeah, okay, maybe he's not the best in coverage, but I actually think he moves pretty well for a guy who's as big as he is. Old-age linebacker with new-age athleticism, scrapes really hard coming downhill, can get off blocks. He he threw down Tyler Linderbaum a few times uh, in that game um, against Iowa. So he's strong. I, I think he can, he can hustle the football. He plays a great motor. Like I said, he's a block deconstructor who I think has enough instincts in, in closing speed to succeed in space as well. Uh, we You mentioned earlier that the Jets would take a tackle in round two, and this is the spot where they do it. Uh, George Pant is fine at right tackle. Obviously, you've got the situation going with Becton right now. So I took Bernard Raymond, who can develop into a starting left or right tackle. Obviously, the round one hype is kind of out of control. But for me right now, I would probably take Raymond at this spot over where we took Penning, although it isn't much of a difference. But I feel like Raymond is probably the better player for what I want. Yeah, I I like that. Why not swing if you're the Jets? You got four picks. Swing. Giants here, 36. They went Evan Neal and Derek Singley the first. I went with Boy Mafe here. Gives you another guy on the edge opposite Ojolari, who is now apparently jacked, by the way, if you haven't seen that um, photo or video next to Andrew Thomas. He, uh, he looks as big as Andrew Thomas, if not bigger. Uh, and him going into a second year, pairing with a guy like Boy Mafe, who has consistently gotten better over – as he got better over the 2021 season. Looks much better at contact point now in, in phase as a rusher to be able to get off blocks. He, he has a lot of counters. I just need to see it quicker. I need to see it happen quicker for him at contact. If he can disengage a little bit quicker with moves, we're good because he's got he's got the speed to bend around the edge as well. Mafe, Ojolari, good pairing there. Uh, Houston continuing with the trend of defense after taking Sauce Gardner and Jordan Davis in round one uh, right now. I'm going to take a player that has slipped due to his injury that he suffered as pro day. David Ojabo is the selection here to pair with Jonathan Bernard. Uh, in this scenario, obviously, he's probably not going to play this year. But if he comes back to his full strength where he was playing at this year, I definitely feel like it's a worthy selection at 37. Potentially, they even trade back up as the first to take him. But with him still sitting here at 37, I think it's an easy selection. Honestly, is one of the top ceilings in this class, like, if you ranked him highly pre-injury, totally understand that. Jets here at 38, their fourth selection. They have taken uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Drake London, and Bernard Ryman. We're going to go corner here. I know that that Salah, I feel like, gets by with average, and he develops average corners into good players in his scheme. I still think any guy like, like Roger McCurry here makes a ton of sense. A guy who can play in the slot for you. Impressive, impressed man. Just, just he, He's so patient. And again, I think his technique... It is really, really good. Yeah, he has short arms. This is a guy I would bet on just because of the way he plays. And the Jets get some nice value here at 38. Uh, at Okay. Uh, at 39, uh, with the Bears on the clock, there are still some receivers on the board. Uh, we're going to attack that need later, though. Another need is offensive line. And Tyler Smith, who is available right now, could go in the first round, uh, but he's still here right now at 39. So that's going to be the selection here. He can either play tech or guard. And with Tevin Jenkins already still there, 
you need potentially a guy opposite of him or to learn from him and everything. So Tyler Smith is a pick. Yeah, I like that for the Bears. Gives you a guy with good athleticism, can play multiple spots. So Chiefs at 40 after the trade down with Seattle get some really nice value here. They could use a, a nice little running mate with uh, with Chris Jones on the interior. They get Devontae Wyatt, who could go in the first. I think Tampa Bay is a really nice spot for him. If all this this character stuff coming up late uh, with a couple weeks to go, weird that it came up at this point. I feel like NFL teams are probably set. I it's it, it's that long ago, but he fell here. Chiefs get a guy in the defensive line who is wicked quick and really powerful. Rush from that three tech. They're going to have a really nice unit up front and should terrorize the AFC. At 41, we've talked about how Seattle is just kind of a wild drafting team. They still have a need at corner. And a player that stock drastically rose during the combine was Tariq Wool in the corner from Texas San Antonio. And with that speed, the size, and the athleticism, I think Seattle is going to fall in love with him. And with the need at corner still, I think it's a great pairing. Yeah, love that. Size and length. Uh, Colts at 42. This is perfect. This is a Ballard selection if there ever was a Ballard selection. It's Christian Watson here. Could go to the Bears at 39. Probably thought about it. and But I like the offensive line move. For the Colts, though, they now get really a, a deep threat with size that they really needed. And, and T.Y. Hilton, last leg, like really last leg. You have Paris Campbell in the slot. Maybe this is the year for him. I feel like we say that every year. I hope it is, but you get Watson who can threaten vertically. Matt Ryan's good enough. Uh, he's an upgraded quarterback, and he'll he'll be able to feed Watson targets deep. Also be able to get creative with him if you want to in, in Reich's offense. Get him the ball quick. Let him work after the catch. He's got that blazing speed to do so. He needs to work on his stuff at the catch point. He needs to play bigger for a guy who's 6'4", 208, but love the selection here. Ballard gets a guy who's a senior bowl guy with great athleticism. That's often his MO. At 43, Atlanta took Jamison Williams in the first round. They could obviously take like a Jermaine Johnson in the first round instead. But in that scenario where they took Jamison Williams, a player like Arnold Abiketti, who's still here, as a lot of people do have him as a first round prospect, but with him still sitting here in Atlanta desperately needing pass rush help. I know they got Lorenzo Carter in free agency, but they still needed more help there. I feel like Abiketti is well worth the selection. Yeah, love that selection for Atlanta. Browns here at 44, I think, is the toughest one. Because if you look at if you look at what they've done recently from 2017-2021, their literal average of all their selections is a hair over 21 and a half years old. So, like as much as we talk about on this show, the Packers and their guardrails in age in the first round, the Browns do it throughout the draft. So that really narrowed my options. I had receiver as a possibility. There was a couple of guys who were still available that made sense. A couple of guys on the defensive line made sense. Travis Jones is a little bit older than maybe they would like, but I, from what I've seen, some of the Browns guys I trust who make boards now for the Browns, he was on there in the second. So I'm rolling with this pick here. Travis Jones gives the Browns a really nice front. They, they've needed that one guy. They've tried with Malik Jackson. You know, they had... um. Oh, Malik McDowell, I think they came in at what he came yeah. in at one point as well. Like they've tried. Ogun Joby didn't work for them. They've tried to fill that interior defensive line. It hasn't worked yet. Travis Jones gives you a guy who could take on multiple blocks, violent with the hands, showed some quickness down in Mobile. 
So at 45, it was originally a Ravens selection, oh, but nice. now it's a trade-up. Uh, Philadelphia moves up six spots, giving up their fourth-round selection, their later fifth-round selection. And in case you're wondering, Leo Chanel is the only linebacker that is off the board as of right now. Uh, we were both kind of talking about, it, like, what is happening right now? We just couldn't really find a spot after Houston in the second round. Yeah. I felt like Ojabo was too much to kind of pass up at that point. But Philadelphia has continuously pretty much always needed a linebacker. They didn't do it last year with Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, unfortunately. But Nicobe Dean is still here, and I feel like if he's still here at this point with some teams, linebacker needy teams coming up, I think they have to move up and get them because they could potentially feel like he's a top 15 player in the class. Yeah, love that for the Eagles. Finally address that. Vikings at 46. This was interesting. I went with more versatile player. Daniil Hunter, hope he gets back being healthy. Do you really trust like Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham, all these guys on the edge? I feel like you don't. Going Logan Hall here at 280, where does he play? I think you get creative. He lined up everywhere. He lined up on the nose. He's lined up at three tech. He's lined up at five tech. I think he's probably a five tech. However, the the explosiveness and the strength he plays with the bowl over offensive linemen tells me you can move him to either spot on perhaps any snap. And if you if you're really gonna stick with though like a true a, if you're gonna stick with a front that has a true nose, then you absolutely can have him uh, in that three tech or four eye look because how, how strong he plays. And you already have a guy who can control multiple guys. If not, stick him on the edge, let him rush. I, I think there's enough in the toolbox to work with there. Washington, after taking Kyle Hamilton in the first round, this was another easy selection on my part. Uh, receiver's a big need. They could potentially take a receiver in the first round even. But with John Mechie still here, just the route running prowess, just the smooth – consistency they've already had a top 30 visit with him and i think he really pairs well with uh terry mcmoran there if he still is there even yeah i love this i love this selection i love the washington draft so far bears at 48 they probably would have been in the market for Mechie there love to see them get sniped a little bit there uh, <laughs> at 47 but they did take tyler smith I, I like that selection now we're gonna go Jahan dotson who has fallen to this point i think bears fans would take that as well obviously still in the mold of of Darnell Mooney, so maybe a little redundant. However, unlike Mooney, Dotson really expands the strike zone for you as a receiver. He plays way bigger than the size. The catch radius is, is enormous for a 5'11", 178-pound guy. He can win deep as well. If you want to keep that, that idea of threading the needle deep with fields, you want to get more vertical in this passing game, now you have multiple guys who can win deep down the field. Now, that gives the Bears now options to add size later in the draft. 49, the Saints, They we've talked about it before. We've said it's a potential possibility that maybe they may trade up for Kyle Hamilton. Yep. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen in this scenario. But with Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker still here at almost pick 50, and there's still a need there with Marcus Williams gone. Uh, Marcus May came in, but he's coming off an injury. Daniel Sorensen is not that guy. So you need to have some sort of number two option in case – Marcus Williams uh, is gone. Obviously, Marcus May is in. Maybe the injury is still there a little bit, but Jaquan Brisker is a perfect fit here in New Orleans. Yeah, like that one a lot. I think the Saints fans would like this draft, even though some don't like the idea of taking a quarterback early. Chiefs at 50, we're just humming with value, 
and traits. And I think they're enjoying themselves. If, if chief fans are listening, you're going Drake Jackson at 50, like, come on, this is nuts for them. They've, they've, Oh, they, you got to love this because again, this is another guy you can develop. He's young. He's got the burst bender on the edge that not many prospects in this class have. He might have more than, than Thibodeau it, crazy enough to say, obviously has to work on the play strength. Can't get erased in the run game when he's out there, but bring him in, rush the quarterback. I, I like that at least there's a rotational role in year one for the Chiefs. And again, value here is really nice. Do you want to talk about this one? Because you made the switch. Yeah, we did make the switch here because what we initially had was we had the Eagles taking Jermaine Johnson. And we had the Ravens taking McDuffie. We moved this around. Uh, so the Ravens initially had Leal at this selection. But thought about it last night. It was like, eh, I feel like the Eagles aren't a Jermaine Johnson team. So we moved them off that like mid show. <laughs> you heard me call the audible. Uh, you can talk about him though, Mace, if you want at 51, since this is technically your selection that I accidentally messed with because. So with, with the original selection of McDuffie not occurring, we made the switch to corner in the second round. Uh, Marcus Jones, the corner from Houston is a guy that not a lot of people are talking about. Just like this second round tier, he's more of a back end beat day two guy uh i feel like you need somebody to compete at corner for baltimore especially with all the injuries occurring so why not get one of the best ones available at this point yeah and i think if they like and i'm gonna we're just gonna talk about this because we didn't really get to do a whole lot with this pre-show because we had to adjust but like ravens have outside corners coming back from injury they could use a slot guy and that's kind of why i pegged a mcduffie as well uh, when we initially put this together. So Marcus Jones can play a lot of slot too with that ball production and the quickness. Um, Steelers at 52. They they moved up for Willis. They kept this pick. This may be a little bit out of left field. I, I think they may feel confident with their offensive line. I'm not. I so this, I is, this is maybe less predictive and more. Well, the other thing is a lot of receivers are off the board at this point. Yeah. And I feel like the, the guy who's going to go next at receiver fits really closely with a guy they have on the roster already. So it would be a little redundant in terms of what they're looking for, in my opinion. But what was Sean Ryan here for the Steelers? Multiple positions. I think you can try him at, at tackle. And if not, fine. You have a great guard with the anchor, play strength, grip strength, all that stuff to, to just handle 300-pound dudes rushing at him. He stopped Thibodeau in his tracks all the time uh, in that game last fall. Same with Ojolari and, and Alligate. Did phenomenal against those two guys. This would be, I, in my opinion, and I think Mason's as well, a value selection here at 52. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And 53, the Packers are back up. Do they take a receiver is a real question. And yes, they do. It is a, it's consensus at this point, right? It's got to be. Among this is Packers, their guy. Among Packers Twitter, it is pretty clear that Alec Pierce is the guy. Jordy Nelson 2.0 has kind of been proclaimed a little bit here for Alec Pierce. Fits perfectly for what they want. Good blocker comes in, can chip in in the run game, really good blocker and everything. Smooth route runner, in my opinion, is kind of an underrated part of his game. So really good high point at catching the ball. It's a perfect fit for Green Bay. Yeah, love that for them. Uh, the Patriots at 54 actually get a guy we – talked about at 21 believe it or not linebacker fall happening this is total i think this is actually possible i think devin lloyd with the 
the 40 and maybe the underwhelming workout stuff could push teams off of him a little bit more. Bill Belichick's loving that because he gets Devin Lloyd in the second as a guy you can almost be that Dante Hightower for. You can drop down and rush as a Sam. He can cover. He can shoot gaps in the run game. He can blitz. He gets in passing lanes. There's ball production with him as well. He reads the quarterback's eyes really well. Does everything that you need him to do in that short intermediate area as a linebacker. Uh, at 55, we talked about uh, Arizona potentially taking an edge rusher in the first round. If Carl Aptis was still there, that would probably be the fit. But here in the second round, a player that is kind of, in my opinion, at least dropped for no reason to like the uh, middle of the third round conversation, almost day three, is my Jai Sanders, the edge from Cincinnati. I feel like he really fits what they would like, kind of similar. It's not a comp. It's kind of – he's kind of a guy that would kind of do similar things with J.J. Watt. A little bit can play on the interior, can play on the edge. So I feel like he's a really good pick here in the second round. Yeah, like that. Uh, Cowboys at 56. I love it. This is nice. And they they went Burks in the first. And obviously with, with I believe, Kenny Green was still on the board. So maybe Cowboys fans didn't, didn't love the, the pick there uh, with Green. Guess what? We're getting Cole Strange in the second round uh, to help that interior offensive line. Guard, center, played a lot of center down the senior bowl, did a good job, had some really nice reps against Travis Jones. What's nice is you see him not land strikes consistently at times, but his ability to fight to try and reset hands consistently to keep guys out of his chest. That, that continuous fight is great to see from offensive linemen. Cause there's some that like Tyler Smith will just catch guys and just say, I'm not going to try to fight for, for inside positioning under the shoulder pads. Right. Cole strange does that. And you can, again, play him at either spot. Actually any of the three spots really on the interior, wherever you need him to be to help that offensive line, get back to where it's been. And some of you may be wondering, when is this first running back going to go off the board? And right now, with the Buffalo Bills on the clock, Reese Hall is the selection. I know that Buffalo has spent quite a few day two, early day three selections on running backs with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. But, and I know this would suck for fantasy football owners. It would just be horrendous. But I think Buffalo is probably going to be where it happens in the second round. If he's still here, I feel like they have to take him. So that's kind of what I went with. Yeah, I mean, there's with the talk of him potentially being picked at 25, like, if that's really the case, there's no way they wouldn't pass this opportunity at 57. So I'm with you. Falcons at 58. It's been <laughs> a little while. Been a little while since we've taken a quarterback, hasn't it? Uh, about 28 picks or so. Here's the next one. We're going Sam Howell for the Falcons here. Funny enough, Sam Howell, easily the youngest quarterback uh, of the top guys in this group, He's still 21, um, really didn't have as bad a year as every – because everybody saw the Virginia Tech game, right? Because that was, yep. you know, one of the opening games of the season. There was nothing else on. So Sam Howell in the limelight, offensive line still bad, right? The playmakers had all left. Carter, Williams, Newsom, Brown, all gone. So to go into that first game with, with super high expectations for Howell was maybe a little foolhardy because of all that transition he had to go through. Right of the ship a little bit in the second half, played some really good ball. Deep ball still good, can make plays out of structure. Would like to see him consistently work progressions and, and post-snap as a pocket guy, but 
gets to sit behind Marcus Mariota. You have now weapons in, in the passing game. This is this is a longer build for Atlanta, and I think if if there's a quarterback, one of the top five consensus still here at fifty eight, they'll consider it. Another uh, kind of uh, consensus pick across kind of Green Bay Packers Twitter is Abraham Lucas, the tackle from Washington State. Give uh, a plug, probably right in at right tackle. If this were the case, uh, unless. They take a guard in the first round. I'm not really 100% sure, but I feel like with Lucas still here in the route that you took in the first round, I feel like this is a perfect selection. Yeah. I, fleet feet and plenty of anchor uh, in pass. I hate this switch you just did with this next pick. <laughs> Listen, so had to do it here because of Baltimore. Baltimore's initial pick was tomorrow, tomorrow Leal. And <laughs> now the Buccaneers get him at 60. Um just moment of silence for, for the NFC here. Uh, Andrew Booth and DeMarvin Leal to the Tampa Bay. Uh, it hurts a little bit. Um, but another guy can move all over the defensive line, right? You can get him at three-tech, five-tech. Athleticism is pretty good. It's just a question of, like, where you play him. And this is a great scenario in Tampa because they get, like, absolutely mad scientific with their fronts. You got Shoyinka. You ha- they've added now. They, they still have Pierre Paul, but I think he's probably last leg. Yeah. Kill Barrett. You have um, Vita Vea. They're, they're looking for that three tech, right? To, to get after the quarterback. This is a guy who could do it on later downs. Plenty of other guys at defensive line later, but get some value here. And a guy you can move all over the front and penetration, get after the quarterback. So, welcome the 49ers to the draft party. Uh, their first selection of the whole entire mock. Uh, there's a safety on the board, and they need defensive back help pretty bad. And there's a safety on the board that can play pretty much anywhere. Uh, Baylor guys, you know, he's really good, kind of quick. Jalen Petrie, uh, he can play right away in the secondary for San Francisco. Yeah, like that. Chiefs up at 62 was initially the Marcus Jones landing spot. It obviously goes up and uh, is now a Ravens selection. Still get a good corner who I think would potentially also be on San Francisco's board if, if Petrie was not available. Going Kobe Bryant here and Chiefs fans, if, if they're following along here, we have Sky Moore, Devontae Wyatt, Drake Jackson, and now Kobe Bryant. <laughs> um, I, I would feel really nice about this side of Chiefs fan. I know that the Chiefs don't often take corner this early, right? You have four selections. I feel like there's no excuse not to. Because I feel like there's there's a certain point in this draft where corner takes a nosedive, and they could go traits here, Zion McCullum, maybe if they wanted to take a look there, but I think with you go with a guy who's patient, good technique, and is great at identifying kind of where receivers are moving, where they're trying to set you up, where their, where their tendencies are. Did it at Mobile. There's a rep of him against one of the one of the Mississippi guys where he just knows. He's like, yeah, you're trying to set me up to go inside. I'm not moving. And to have that guy like that in man coverage would be excellent for them. The Bengals get probably the biggest luxury pick they can get here. Just to add another weapon for Joe Burrow, uh, the first tight end off the board, and it's going to be Trey McBride from Colorado State. Uh, they already lost CJ Uzama to the Jets, so they need somebody there. And with McBride still here at 63, uh, big kind of slide for the tight end group, but him still here, it's an obvious selection. Yeah, that's a great one for the Bengals. 
the Bengals we've off we've we haven't straight it off consensus. The Bengals have taken like who everybody favors them to take. It's 3163 right now. So stuck true to the board there. Broncos at 64 is such a wild card. I have I have seen, I'm I'm dead serious. I have seen like top Broncos guys talk about hey, Kenneth Walker's available at, at 64. They might just take him and have a ridiculous two-headed monster running back with Javante Williams. Mason said that would make me cry for Javante. Rip fantasy owners said all of those things when I initially made the selection. So I moved off it and realized that Quay Walker's probably going in the first rounds, so might even go in the first round. So to leave him off the top That's... 64 would be probably uh, wrong of us to do. So Quay Walker here, boy, you have athleticism at linebacker now. Like Baron Browning and, and Quay Walker, love that. It, it, guys who could cover plenty of ground and are pretty solid processors. I think they can obviously get better. Browning was a lot better in processing with short zones and that stuff when he's a spot dropping. So that's good. Now you get a guy who can kind of get after the run game a little bit too in, in Quay Walker. They've got a nice duo. They're building a great defense. And obviously they just added Russell Wilson. So not too shabby off season for them. But yeah, also forgot to say welcome to, to the draft for the Broncos, but uh, fair enough. Yeah. Sorry. Los Angeles Rams. Um, I mean, did not get to make a selection here, but those are our two rounds. You don't even mention by it. <laughs> Didn't want to mention. Oh, and the Raiders too. Uh, forgot about those guys. Um, thanks for the picks though. Uh, Raiders appreciate fair. that. Uh, appreciate those picks. Cause they went to good use. Uh, but yeah, that that's a two round mock that um, put together. This was fun to do. And we wanted to do one Mason, like we said before the draft, because I mean, this is, this is the draft show on the Packernet podcast network had to get you one. So we went two rounds for you, for the, for the people here. So let us know what your thoughts are. I'm ex- I'm excited to see when this all shakes out. We, like we said, we have five days and hopefully it's it's a quick five days and we get to the draft because it's going to be very exciting. We've got a couple more shows for you as of this recording that, that should be coming out too. So positional stuff will be coming out and just enjoy the draft for draft fans and Packers fans alike. Mason, anything you, you want to plug quick before we get out of here on this episode? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Thompson 22 Mason. Uh, do some uh, pretty much all just draft stuff for primetime sports talk. Oh, yes. And uh, yeah, you can follow me at Jake Anvil Draft, doing draft stuff as well. Got a lot to finish up. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a grind these next five days, but, but I'm excited. So we will catch you guys uh, uh, pretty soon, actually. It won't, it'll be, it won't be a week from now when you hear this. It'll be pretty soon. So farewell, and we'll catch you in the next one.